0: Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the brink as we come to you for day 327 of the apocalypse. Apparently, I say day 22 in a later part of this episode, but hey, the joke apparently has fallen flat. It is another week and another month. We are into April. Doesn't it feel like it's basically about October this time of year already? Because it's just dragging out so much. But uh, we are still living in quarantine central, it seems, at least for a lot of the world. Uh, today is my first day. I can actually leave the house since arriving in Canada. So excitement galore there. But uh, it's always excitement galore when you are listening to The Brink. We have plenty to get to today. All the regular fun excitement stuff. We're going to hear from Colin again. You gonna hear from Mallory. Yay. She's at least done one form of recording. And classic Days of Our Pies and a classic interview all to come your way today. But uh, it's... Not really been a whole lot more to update in the in the world of Ben and the Brink in the last week. Um, living the quarantine life here in Canada, uh, Mallory has at least got a flight that she should be joining us in a couple of weeks. If once again all things go to plan, we know how things have changed in the last few weeks. So who knows what will happen? But uh, that is at least some positive news. But it's kind of a weird feeling knowing that I can actually leave the house now after 14 days of isolation since arriving in the country. Uh, not that even leaving the house is really that possible because even then there's not a whole lot to do because Canada kind of has closed shop. Well, most things. It's it's a little bit more open than, say, Australia and New Zealand at the moment because they're not forced into uh, strict quarantine, but still a lot of places have uh, voluntarily close up shop and you'll hear us talk a little bit about this with Colin because it is it is a very Canadian thing to think that instead of, you know, forcing people to close up shop and stay inside they've kind of politely asked their citizens and Canadians are like, "Oh, eh, that that sounds fine to me, eh?" and that's basically uh how it works and uh Probably the only time I'll actually do a Canadian accent this episode, so that's um that's exciting. But uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that you're listening to these episodes, at least. I mean, there's not a whole lot of excitement that we're kind of bring to you, not that we do anyway, um, but at least, you know, I hope we're keeping you company in some form or another, because that's what we all need right now. We're all kind of lonely and at home, and for the most part, not doing much, so, you know, There's at least something for people to do by being able to listen to these. And uh, again, it's fantastic that you are tuning in to us today to be able to listen and uh, at least hear another episode of, well, I'd like to say your favorite show, but uh, maybe, you know, you're just listening to it because you have to, because you feel obligated, but that's fine by me. You feel obligated to listen to it, folks, and we'll keep bringing you the content because that's how we do it here on the brink. Anyway, uh, excitement galore. Get excited for another episode. <laughs> Days of Pies time, your favourite part of the episode. Of course, we're into season three, the final season, episode two. I don't even need to introduce it any more than that because you want to know what's happening in Ramsey Bay? Let's find out right now. Previously on Days of
1: Oh
2: my lord! Was a huge explosion! Where's Daddy? Oh my god, Billy! Look! He's dead! Along with Frank, Roy, and Jennifer!
3: What are you saying, sir? Well, this was planned? That's exactly what I'm saying, Adam. And I'm confident Ramsey Bang is finally no more.
1: Like pastry in the oven. These are the days of our plane.
0: A huge explosion had just wiped out Ramsey Bay and had killed all but a few of the town's citizens. New Prime Minister of Australia, David Bartlett, had just admitted to his sidekicks, Adam and Gary, piece of sushi, that it had been a deliberate attack, confusing both of them. He went on to explain the horrible act.
3: For too long, this town has been the disaster point of this great nation. From alien attacks to terrorist attacks, Ramsey Bay has been the poison of australia and as prime minister i am confident that australia is now safe with its black point destroyed but this was a town with people in it and they were now dead that's just not nice i'm going to have to agree with him even if he's a dweeb shut up no you shut up no you why don't you both shut up it's too late arguing isn't going to change anything let's just move on and forget this ever happened, and I'm confident we can.
0: All of a sudden, Lisa, Billy, and George all bump in to the Prime Minister. Ah, Prime Minister, you're alive! We're so happy to see you. What are you
2: going to do to save our great town after this horrible act? And you need to find out who was responsible.
3: As Prime Minister, I'm confident I already know who was responsible.
2: I knew it. It was Nicky Webster, wasn't it?
3: No, my child. <laughs> It was me, and I'm confident that you will understand.
2: What do you mean it was you? You are the Prime Minister! You wouldn't do this to a town in your own country!
3: Yeah I would and I did so build a bridge and move on and speaking of building a bridge there is a new one that needs building Hobart so ta-ta You can't just leave us like this what will we do where will we live
1: how will we survive
3: That's not the Prime Minister's problem So bugger off and get out of his grill Yeah get out of my grill peeps David Bartlett Adam and Gary all leave Ramsey
0: Bay in a helicopter that somehow survived the explosion Lisa, George and Billy all stand in shock as to what they just heard We have to Do something. We need to call the police. Or the people higher than the police. Or Jack Bauer. Or someone.
2: Frank was the police and he is dead. As well as the rest of the town. I think we all need to move on and go somewhere else. You know what, Billy? I think you are right. You are one smart boy. George... I know it is hard, but we have to leave Ramsey Bay. But this is a home. It's where Jennifer and I met and ran a store. We can't just leave. We have to, George. We have no choice. Let's all just find a car and drive away to nearby Silly Namesville. Okay, Lisa,
0: we have no choice. Let's get our things and leave this peaceful town. All three of them find a car that still works and drive away to the closest town of Silly Namesville, which is slightly bigger than Ramsey Bay but filled with people of completely different attitudes. This
2: place looks nice. Let's stay here. Yes, young Billy, I agree. Let's stay here. It's
0: nice and peaceful. All of a sudden, gunshots are heard. (laughs)
2: Oh my god, Billy! Come let Mummy protect you!
0: It's okay, Billy! Go to your mother! We need to hide! Just then, a familiar voice is heard.
2: Hold it right there or I'll shoot! Oh my god! John Howard! I thought you were dead! Daddy, you're alive! Ah, my precious Lisa, yes I am. And I take it with you being here, Ramsey Bay must
0: have been destroyed.
2: It sure has been, but wait a minute, how the hell did you know that?
0: I think you all need to come inside. There is some explaining I need to do. It involves the safety of the entire world. (coughs) How on earth does John Howard know about Ramsey Bay being destroyed? Why does the safety of the entire world depend on it? Did Prime Minister David Bartlett really go to open a new bridge? And how did they find a car that actually worked? Find out next time on Days of Our Pies. Ooh-hoo. drama, drama, drama. I really like to know what's happening because, again, I haven't even heard these in, you know, a good 10 years. So, um... Who knows? You, you let us know that you're loving these. Maybe we'll somehow work out a way to do some new episodes because what else are we doing right now? Who knows? It's another week of the world ending, and what better way to talk about it than with the only Canadian that apparently is giving us their time right now. It's Colin Hilding. Colin, welcome back to
4: day 22 of the apocalypse. Uh, thank you. And only Canadian giving you time or only Canadian in your time zone? I think that's the bigger uh, issue right now, isn't it? But but are you in my time zone? you get two hours ahead of me. Uh, <laughs> closer, closer.
0: I'm time... in the future. I'm coming to you from the future today. How does it feel to be in the future for me for once? You can tell me what's happening. <laughs>
4: uh, it it feels like a... 3.55, 2.55. Look, I'm so far in the future, I lost track of which hour I'm on it. <laughs> it feels like a 2.55 in the afternoon kind of moment.
0: That's, that's what I've been waiting for to hear. Um... <laughs> how's the week been how's winnipeg are you you writing yet i mean do winnipeg people know how to riot
4: no well i mean winnipeg people know how to drive poorly so that sometimes at least on the road can look like rioting uh worst drivers in canada uh if people didn't know but i mean our our license plates actually say friendly manitoba and for the most part we live up to it um I, i don't think that there's any potential of riots here. Uh, They did declare a state of emergency in the city of Winnipeg now, which, you know, we went from state of emergency for the province to now state of emergency for the city, which I think we talked about last week. The state of emergency for the province was essentially, you know what, we're just asking you nicely to do these things. Like, well, you didn't need a state of emergency to ask us nicely. Uh, The state of emergency for the city is basically telling us, you know, in the future, we may be able to enforce these things, but we're not enforcing it yet. So again, like, we're declaring the intention of a state of emergency at some point down the road. I don't think we need to be calling this a state of emergency. This
0: is what I'm finding about your country and how Canadian you are in Canada, let's be honest, because, like, in New Zealand, literally, it is a lockdown. Four weeks, don't do anything, everything is shut down, you cannot leave your house. Mm-hmm. I think they've done something similar in Australia, I'm not too sure. In Canada, it's basically like, ah. Oh, we're not going to do that, but can you just stay home, please? Because it it would help <laughs> us. And pretty much every Canadian is just like, okay, we'll do it. Like New Zealand, you literally have to threaten people; like you will go to jail, you will do this. You would. Do- Canada, it's literally like Justin Trudeau. Oh, please, just stay home. Okay, Prime Minister says stay home. We'll stay home. It's so
4: Canadian. It is. Um, and one of the things that uh, I guess now they've done is they've made it where only essential services can remain open. So they've actually said. These types of businesses will have to close for the time being, Uh, and my job still qualifies as an essential service um, as a a sort of – I wouldn't call it a technicality. It's an essential service, but I just work in an office now with five people, and nobody comes in, so it's not like I'm exposed to the public. But still, I have to basically have my work ID on me at all times because they're saying at any point, the police could pull you over on the way to work or they could just bang on the door of the office, and you'll have to prove you have reason to be there. But it's still not even at that point. It still is just, you know what? We're gonna trust you. This is this is, you know, putting the ball in your court. We, we believe in you, people. That you're good enough. Where I will say, we still have some stupidity here, though. I mean, the lineups for grocery stores and everything are a thing now here. You know, I uh, I I went to Walmart. Now I start work at eight in the morning, so. Typically I can, if I need to get something, I try to go, if I leave 10 minutes early, I'll just quickly run into Walmart and then, you know, get what I need and then go to work after that. And most grocery stores here, we're doing the thing where they're opening an hour early for seniors. I don't know if it's yeah. there too, or if it's anywhere else, Yeah. but other grocery stores are simply opening an hour early. I learned this past week that Walmart is basically making the first hour just for that. So I walked in the doors and like, or oh, sorry, it's senior citizens only right now. I'm like, It's like 7.30. And it's like, oh, I know. It's for the first hour of the day. So great. I got screwed over on that. So I'm like, okay, I'll go after work. And I see a lineup outside of the store because now they're limited with how many people can actually be inside the store at any given time. So I'm like, well, screw that. I'm not going into Walmart and waiting in line behind 20 people. There is a grocery store, a three-minute walk. It's literally in the same parking lot as the Walmart. I go inside, not a single person there, (laughs) not a single person in line, and the shelves fully stocked. There's another grocery store literally across the street from this Walmart. Everything stocked on the shelves. Nobody in the store. A Costco around the corner from that one. Lineups outside the door. Like people are like, "Oh, we better go to Costco. We better go to Walmart." Jamie waited in line. It. We have a thing called Superstore here, which is mm-hmm. you know a- almost like Walmart or Costco. She was in line for 45 minutes to get in the store and didn't get home till three hours later. And I told her, I'm like, you could have gone to Safeway, you could have gone to Sobeys, you could have gone to Co-op, all these regular-sized grocery stores. They're still big. You'll still have 10, 12 checkouts. But nobody's in the stores. Like, how dumb are we that you can't look 50 feet away and see there's nobody in line at that store? Let me go there.
0: I think this whole thing is showing a lot of people how dumb we are. Uh, because again, why are we running out of toilet paper? It's just stupid. Like of all yeah. the things to stock up on. Toilet paper is one of the least things that I would stock up on. Um, I, I, cause I get to leave tomorrow. Well, the time of this being released today, basically I can, I can go outside of the house essentially. Um, I am weirdly looking forward to going to a supermarket. <laughs> like I just, I, I don't know why, um, you know, oh look, colors, pretty things outside of the house. But, um, yeah, I, I know that Mallory's mum said that she basically drove like, I don't know, half an hour out of the city to go visit a friend and she went to a supermarket while she was there and it was basically dead and everything was stocked up. She's like, well, why don't people just drive half an hour out of the city to go here um, instead of, you know, 20-minute waits outside, you know, Walmart and places like this. So it's it's weird. The thing that just confuses me, though, with everything in this country is that, again, like at least if that you were in like a super lockdown like New Zealand, like, I would know that even though my two-week lockdown is over, I still can't leave. I can't really do anything unless I'm going to the grocery store. Whereas, like, I'm yeah. now kind of in this point where it's like, okay, I'm free. I want to do this. I want to do that. And everyone's like, no, no, I wouldn't do that. They'll be closed. Oh, no, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. I'm like, why? It's not like a law. Like, I can do it if I want to. <laughs> like and, Oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. It's just it's just strange. Like, it just you're so polite when somebody asks you to do something.
4: I'm not always polite, though. I mean, I'll I'll give you a a story, an example. Maybe it's because I'm even though there's only five people in my office and it's a big office. So, you know, out of those me being five. So out of the four other people that are in my office on any given day, I probably only see one of them. Uh, So I'm in the office by myself, but it's still human interaction. I don't really get this whole isolation thing as much. And maybe that's also because I go into a grocery store where nobody else is in. But there's one person at the, the checkout counter. Uh, but like Jamie, you know, she's here with Casper and the twins every single day and can't really leave the house because there's nowhere to go. And it's too hard to go anywhere with all the kids and you don't want to drag them anyways. So uh, I I had come downstairs early today and I had actually just woken up from a nap, which funny story about that. We actually got a huge snowstorm in the last 48 hours where we basically have the equivalent of what we got all winter in one day. And it's April and it was like, you know, 15 degrees the day before. But the night before, Jamie had kept jacking up the heat on our, the app on her phone, and I basically woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning because she fell asleep with the heat on. <laughs> uh, so I didn't sleep much, so I slept this morning. So back to my story. Uh, I come downstairs from uh, napping, and my sister's you know, on Messenger whatever, like video Messenger, with my sister and my uh, niece and nephews. And she's basically turning the, the phone in my face. Hey, say hi to your sister. I'm like, no, get the camera out of my face. <laughs> and she's like, come on, it's like nobody can. We're, we're we're doing video because nobody can get out of the house so we can see each other. And I'm like, I I don't care. It's like she's your sister. I'm like, I don't care. My sister's hearing this conversation. I'm like, I don't care. Get that camera out of my face. So I'm like, maybe I have just just enough human interaction where I'm like, I don't want to talk to people. Like, stop thrusting my sister in my face. You talk to her.
0: There, there there are definitely some people who are loving this whole situation though, like all the introverts and all that sort of stuff. People are like, Hey, I've been doing this my yeah. whole life. Like what are you what are you talking about? And like don't get me wrong, like y- you hear the words like two week isolation and you're like, Oh God, that's gonna be terrible. I'm gonna be honest with you, the last two weeks has kind of been great. Like, you know, like you just got an excuse yeah. to kind of just sit around and do nothing. Like, you know, it's kind of okay, it's fine. Um and you know, you can kind of Lots don't, of Netflix. Yeah. Just just do what you can. Um it's 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 a weird sort of situation. Whereas you know it's going to get to a certain point where it's like, okay, well, I've spent enough money on groceries over the last like four months. I might need some money now. Um, but you know, when you kind of well, you, you can get like certain places are being you know very forgiving right now. So like you can get a break from some of your bills. So like one of my bills, I've been able, they've said to me like, oh yeah, just have three months off. Um, okay. Great! <laughs> like I'm not going to go out and you know spend a thousand dollars on stuff I don't need. I'm going to use it to survive. But it's kind of it's 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 almost an excuse to just kind of have a self-imposed holiday at the moment.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I would say most people I know have been laid off at this point. Um, I'm lucky that I haven't been, uh, but. I, I do find it funny that there's a little bit of, you know, uh, the, the grass is greener on the other side, on both sides where people are isolating. I was like, Oh, I really wish that I didn't have to worry about my bills and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I don't have to worry about bills, but like, you know, I, I kind of want to be the one posting, you know, my status updates. If I watched this series and six (laughs) movies today on Netflix, like, My work has gotten busier since this started. I don't even have as much time off as I had before coronavirus, you know, and I'm not complaining. I mean, I still have a job, but even with uh, all these you know, mortgage deferrals and stuff like that, I know people who just are anticipating. I know I'm going to be laid off at some point, so I'm going to do the mortgage deferral now or this and that. And I haven't done anything that they automatically suspended student loan payments, which just come out of my account. And I remember telling Jamie, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to give it a month just to make sure that nothing terrible happens and I don't lose a job or, you know, the world doesn't end. But I'm like, I'm just going to keep paying mine because I can right now. And then at least I'll have it paid off a little bit earlier. But I totally get why other people are jumping that chance. The thing that makes me laugh more than anything is all these people who are complaining like gas prices, you know, gas prices. I don't know what it is in B.C., but here in Manitoba, it typically will be between, let's say, you know, a dollar and 10 cents and a dollar 20 uh, per liter and it's currently at like 66 cents i think is what it was yeah, you yesterday. can't drive anyway that's the problem <laughs> well but yet people are complaining they're like great gas is finally 66 per c- cents per liter and i can't even go anywhere i can't even enjoy it i'm like you realize you're paying zero cents per liter right now because you're <laughs> using zero liters why is this a complaint i'm still driving I'm i'm glad that it's cheap but i would rather not be driving at all
0: well, that's the thing in New Zealand because I mean New Zealand has ridiculously expensive uh, petrol prices. So like when we got there and we we're seeing it's over two dollars a litre, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> um, and now I think it's like at about a dollar seventy, and everyone's like, oh, that's really cheap. I was like, wow, we're we considering a dollar seventy cheap. Um, that's yeah. sad. Um, but yeah, like you're talking about your job. Like I, I know for example, if I was still in New Zealand right now. And I hadn't had to leave my job. I'd still be working and I'd be bloody busy
4: as. I'd just be working
0: from home. So I would be complaining. Um,
4: But... Yeah, like I I actually split my time because one of the reasons I'm still in my office is they need a minimum amount of people there. And uh, I'm still given the option to work from home just because it's having... Casper and the twins is a lot for Jamie, especially with no daycare services right now. So I'm like, sometimes I just need to be here to make sure that nobody jumps off the couch and kills himself. You know, I'm still working. And they basically said, well, you know, why don't you just a couple of days a week, you know, work from home until let's say 10 in the morning, go in from 10 till two and then come home for the last couple hours. And that's kind of what I'm doing. And I'm finding it's actually harder because I mean, it's, it's hard enough when I'm at work because there's so few people there and there's so many things to do. But when I'm at home, you get about half as much done. It's brutal. So every single day, I'm like at work thinking like, oh, I can't wait until two o'clock comes around and I can actually go home for the last few hours. And I get home and I'm like, oh, why didn't I stay at the office? This is horrible.
0: <laughs> One thing that I've noticed, um, like on uh, uh, Twitter, I changed uh, my you know trends to Canada because obviously you want to see what's happening where you are and like I've been I've avoided the news like I just don't read news I don't look at my Facebook feed basically or my Twitter feed that much because I'm just sick of everything I'm sick of all this news of everything so I just I'm just I'm avoiding it wherever I can but I still look at the trends and one thing that I'll notice every day is that there will be like a different NHL team trending so like last night like the Canucks were trending and then like the Flames were trending and and obviously because I think you mentioned last week a lot of these networks are just showing like old games and things like that yeah and from what I can see they are just randomly. Showing like on a certain channel every night, like an old game. I think they showed like the Stanley Cup run the other night from the Flames from 2004 and all these kind of things. So, mm-hmm. obviously, Canadians are still getting entertained by this if they're just trending on Twitter, basically. Yeah.
4: yeah and I don't think we have any problems, We you know, watching old stuff. I think it was on here I mentioned last week, or maybe it was on Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast, <laughs> a new episode finally dropped, uh, that uh, they're airing old olympic stuff right now and the olympics aren't even supposed to be on right now but they're like "Well, let's air old olympic stuff and this is on network television and then pretty much all the sports channels are like well we got nothing else to air but let's show old games and i'm kind of regretting canceling my sports package right now because i'm like oh i'd really like to watch the stanley cup finals from 2007 or 2011 or whatever they have and especially when they have like really old stuff from before i could remember hockey or before i knew hockey when they're showing like when Wayne Gretzky's still on the Edmonton Oilers, I'm like, oh, man, I would love winning to watch uh. the, the yeah, the, they didn't have television back then, but, black, black and white. <laughs> yeah, <footage>. if, they, <laughs> if they had that, I'm like, this would be a great thing to watch. I, and in some ways, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday and we were saying like, you know, they've halted production all these other shows we're kind of enjoying that like survivor is actually airing right now but we know there's not going to be a new season of survivor come the fall amazing race filmed two episodes and they canceled even shows that were yet to air their season finales had to stop production so we're not even going to have till may when all these shows run out we're probably going to run out in about two weeks and now you're thinking it's going to be july august for shows getting back to production if we think it's boring now come the fall when this is all over, that's when it's going to hit us hard that there's no entertainment. And I was saying, like, I wouldn't mind if they just start airing old shows on TV. Like, I'd like to see more of that. I'm kind of disappointed that Netflix wants me to watch Tiger King instead of putting, (laughs) you know, something fun on there. Like, Hercules, The Legendary (laughs) Journeys. Bring back Kevin Sorbo. That's what I want. What is Tiger King? I'm sorry. I just keep seeing people post this. What is it? It's – I think it started as a documentary series about – all of these people who have I guess, privately owned zoos for exotic animals like there's this guy, this really crazy guy who calls himself Joe Exotic that has uh, a massive zoo on this farmland or something like that. It's just a privately owned zoo where he just keeps tigers. He loves tigers. And it's just the battles between him and this other woman who has her own thing, which she considers like to be animal protectivity. And everybody kept talking about this, and I'm like, this looks stupid. It just looks like a bunch of really outrageous, quirky people trying to kill each other and stuff like this. It's a documentary series. Okay, fine, but it still looks too outrageous to enjoy. And Jamie watched, like, you have to watch this. It's so good. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. Give it 15 minutes. <laughs> this morning I gave it a whole episode and I told her I'm never watching the <laughs> show again. I am not moving on to episode two. This is beyond dumb. It's just I have no interest in it. It's just it's stupid.
0: Yeah, I, I just kept seeing people post about it, and I don't, I don't use Netflix, um, so I don't know. But um, yeah, wow, okay, I'm not gonna watch it then. Um, although having said that, you don't like Die Another Day, and I do, so um, <laughs> maybe it's really good. I have no idea. Um, anything else exciting happening in Colin Land?
4: I, I, I'm, I'm in a house. Uh, <laughs> <whenever> <laughs> I'm not in a house. I just gave you my whole week. I went to a grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> there was one person in it. I went to work. We talked about old TV.
0: <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to stretch
4: content here, folks. Like, I mean, come on, it's not like oh, look next next week. You know, the snow will have all melted again, and I'll be talking about my basement flooding. I'll have something something okay. new in a week.
0: All right. Well, we look forward to it. Have a happy flood, and we will talk to you next week then. <laughs> Classic interview time, and we're going to bring you one of my favorites, uh, Jane Saville. Many people would remember the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games, Jane. 200-odd metres away from winning an Olympic gold medal in the women's 20-kilometre walk, cruelly disqualified as she walked into the stadium. Famous uh, interview, basically, straight at the moment, saying that uh, she would like a gun to kill herself. Very uh, uh, raw interview done at the time. But uh, I interviewed Jane in 2009, I believe it was, uh, several years after that incident. Of course, she went on to win a bronze medal in Athens, uh, kind of at Not gold, but still made up for it in some aspect. But uh, one of my personal favourite interviews that I've ever done with Olympian Jane... Savile. Now, we're very excited to have our next guest
1: on the show. She is an Olympic bronze medalist and three-times Commonwealth Games gold medalist in the sport of race walking. Earlier this year, she did announce her retirement from the sport after a career spanning more than 20 years, but continues to support community health and fitness programs, as well as being involved with the International Association of Athletics Federations. Please welcome to the brink, Jane Savile. Jane, thank you very much for your time today.
5: Thanks for having
1: me on, Ben. Now, first of all, Jane, how has retirement been? Have you enjoyed the last eight months away from the sport? Yes,
5: I have actually it's, it's been great to be a spectator I um, went to a couple of races and, and I enjoyed uh, watching from the stands the, the world championships in Berlin which was a, an amazing world Championships. The, the Germans really got behind the whole meet and I just ha- I had the best time just I was a, a, an athletic fanatic for, for eight days there in Berlin and just had a ball so it's been nice I've tried to keep relatively fit and um just you know not put on too much weight although I am pregnant now so um, oh, congratulations yes, thank you yes it's very exciting so lots of, has changed sort of in the last eight months
1: a future race walker in the, in the making there
5: oh I don't know about that we'll see <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're fit and healthy who cares <laughs> now
1: do you miss the competition at all
5: um, I did a little bit like when the races were on I was thinking oh it'd be nice to be out there but then I don't miss the training that, that's what I don't miss and I don't miss the injuries that sort of I had in the later part of my career so um, there's some Aspects of course that I miss, and I miss my friends, so it was great to catch up with them at some of the races during the year when I was a spectator. So, yeah, it, it just, it's just aspects that you do miss, but certainly not the hard, long hours out there by yourself.
1: I can understand that. Now, when you're actually watching it, say when you're at the World Championships this year, do you sit back and watch and sort of think, oh, look at their technique, they're doing well, or do you, are you very judgmental of people's techniques?
5: Unfortunately, I am actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I suppose people in glass houses shouldn't, you know, throw stones as they say, but you know, I think that comes with territory of being a race walker and but I'm certainly no judge by, by far from that but it, it, you still pick up things and uh, you, you think that, that some athletes are looking good and some athletes aren't but you know at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what I think it's the judges out there.
1: How did you actually originally get involved in race walking?
5: Um, I just started with little athletics when I was four years of age and um, I didn't start with race walking I just did all the events and had lots of fun and for me sport was just a, a social thing and uh, played lots of sport growing up but predominantly was athletics and, and swimming and surf life saving and I did them all at a national level up until I was I think 18 with still water swimming and then 21 I finished off uh, surf life saving that's when I started focusing just solely on race walking and really training hard for that and, and maybe Olympics in 96 so yeah it was sort of you know uh, I just got I was better at it I suppose and things that you do well at you, you seem to enjoy more and uh, that's what made me a race walker.
1: So making that team though in nineteen ninety six that must have been amazing.
5: Yeah, it was really fantastic and you know, I look back and just think, Wow I was so naive though and I look back and think, Wow if I'd only known back then what I know now, <laughs> you know, what could I have done but it was it was a great experience and um it's a real contrast to, to later Olympics and um Certainly, learning about yourself and coping with the nerves and the Olympics and uh, the, the big pressure there. And even though there wasn't any pressure on me to do well, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really good learning experience. And it was just such a great buzz to, to walk out into the stadium and your first Olympic Games.
1: I certainly could imagine that would have been amazing. Now, as of course I mentioned in your introduction, you went on to win a bronze medal at the Athens Olympics and you did go on to win three Commonwealth Games gold medals. All of them, obviously, fantastic achievements. Is there a favourite out of all of those though? Uh,
5: well, Athens was, you know, fantastic because I'd come back after the disappointment of Sydney and it's, it's really hard to, to time your body and your training so well to, to peak on one particular day every four years. So I was really proud of myself that I came back and I fixed my technique and everything. So that was a huge high for me. And I think with the Commonwealth Games... They've all, they've all got their special moments, but winning in 1998 was probably the biggest because I didn't expect, to. nobody expected me to win, let alone myself. I was going in hoping of a bronze medal. I thought that'd be really lovely if I could get third in this race and I'll be happy with that. And then in the last kilometre, I took over my hero, who was Kerry Saxby and um, I, I ended up beating her. And so, so, so I sort of came out of the blue there. So that was a really, really, you know, high moment of my career and a real breakthrough for me as well.
1: And also mentioning too, back to the Olympics at Athens, the footage, of course, of you is you know, pretty famous of you up there on the podium, tears in your <laughs> tears
5: eyes. In my eyes. There's, always, there's always pictures of me crying, they're happy <laughs> tears or sad tears. I always got this terrible expression on my face. But I'll take uh, the, the photos from Athens, and yeah, they they really moved me. Even now, I had to do a presentation here in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, and I played the, the footage, and um, you know, I didn't expect to cry. It was just spontaneous, overwhelming emotion, and I knew the man that was giving me the medal. i he'd taken me away. He's um, on the the, the committee of the IAAF, and um, he he'd taken me on trips overseas, he's an Australian guy, Bill Bailey and it was just so lovely to share that moment with him and I gave him a big t- hug and it was just really a, a fantastic moment
1: Do you actually harbour any ill will though knowing that both the people that beat you had returned positive drug tests at some stage in their career?
5: Yeah, you know, it depends on the day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, I, I um, it's a sad you know, there's lots of people in sport that could talk about that, what could have, would have should have been. And, um, you know, I, it, it's a sad part of sport, but that's just human nature. People will go out and cheat. But look, they, they were clean, um, they, they passed their tests in 2004, so, you know, there's nothing you can say there. It, it's, it's, it's sad for the sport and sad for sport in general that people do resort to those sort of tactics. But as I said, people do it all the time in business and in life they cheat and they find uh, easier ways out to, to do things and be successful, so you just have to live with that.
1: Now. You- you did mention briefly a second ago. Obviously, most people do remember you for that moment at Sydney. Do you get sick of people referring to you as the person who got that close to the gold medal? Do you wish they would just focus on your actual results?
5: <laughs> um, oh, look, it's part of my history, and I can't really shy away from it. And and in many ways, you know, that's all people know, that's all people know me for. They don't actually realise that I did win a bronze medal four years later. So, um, you know, it, it can be a little bit frustrating at times. But I, you know, to take the good with the bad and that's what the olympics are all about and there's so many highs from olympic games but there's so many lows for, for, for many athletes so and i think that's what makes them so special they're only once every four years and and you, you have to take the good with the bad and, and you know that's part of my career and sometimes i might look back to oh, go it would have been so great to win but then in saying that i probably wouldn't have had such a long career i may have retired earlier and i wouldn't have felt that euphoria that i felt on the, the podium in, in athens if i'd won in sydney so you know it's it's you, I, there's two ways you can look at it and i'm trying to look at it more positive way did you
1: ever actually get a chance to meet the judge who gave you that red card but if you, you know haven't what? would you like to <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's funny because well a lot of people don't realize is in race walking the chief judge who actually disqualifies you or back then in 2000 the rules have changed a little bit since then but back then in 2000 the man that held the red paddle up to me was basically just the messenger three other judges in the on the course had given me red cards so he was just telling me that I was disqualified so most of Australians wanted to kill him and injure him and you know <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy and um, in actual fact he was just the messenger it was a perfect example of don't shoot the messenger and so lots of people have held sort of ill will against him and I never really did but I actually met him for the first time I, I, I don't remember his face or anything and um, he's an Italian judge and I met him two years ago at a race and then again this year I saw him at another race and he actually had the red paddle it was his own personal red paddle that he used and we, we got some funny photos at this this function that were out of him disqualifying me and me with a really serious face <laughs> and, um, and just being really silly. So, you know, I, I certainly don't have any ill will towards him. He was doing his job, and uh, somebody had to do it, and I actually feel a little bit of sympathy for him at that time.
1: I remember, actually, when it happened, just the amount of grief that was outpouring. I mean, obviously, Australia was just taken over by the Olympics, but it was it was just amazing. I mean, surely you must have gotten some decent support out of it.
5: Oh, look, you know, I, I actually, I was embarrassed. I felt like like the biggest loser. I just thought, what do I do? And I didn't know where to go. I ran back up the the ramp because I thought, well, my parents and my my fiancé at the time were out in the running to the stadium and they didn't know that I'd been disqualified and how embarrassing all these people expected me to come into the stadium, what do I do? And I just, I was totally embarrassed. And, but it was the opposite effect. Everyone was so proud of me. I had people coming up for days later and at the Last Lap nightclub they they dedicated a song to me that night and, and you know, so I just had this overwhelming support and it was, it was fantastic. It was really lovely because I wasn't a winner and I didn't win the gold medal. I didn't, you know, do anything really. like the biggest loser so this, this support that came through and everyone was proud of me and it was a really lovely feeling to, to have that support behind me. You
1: didn't win the goal but you won the nation's hearts.
5: Yeah absolutely and, and that's what I said you know the, the Olympics uh, so many things happened during an Olympic Games and, and that, that that low period for me was certainly an interesting, an interest, the, the effect that I had on people and the Australian public was very interesting.
1: Mentioning about your family before uh, you come from a very sporting family with your father a second grade rugby league player for the Rabbitohs and yeah. uh, your mother and Athletics coach As as well Sorry You should mention Your sister Is also a race walker too But uh, how big is The the trophy cabinet At your house You must have A pretty big space there For all the medals And everything
5: (laughs) Yeah, well, we were trying to do a cleanout. Um, yeah, to get rid of a few things. Mum doesn't have, mum and dad don't have as much room anymore, and it's it's more the the, the clothes from all our teams now because we have been on so many teams over the last sort of fifteen to twenty years that you know you, you get so much gear and we're very proud of it, but it's storing all that stuff. So and then my husband he, he was a professional cyclist up until two years ago and um, he represented Australia at the the Olympics in 2000 and 2000, uh, 2004 as well. So um, he's I, I went through our garage. And he still got some trophies from, like, Little Athletics when he was 12. So <laughs> I've got rid of those ones. And now I said it's time for you to get rid of those <laughs> ones as well. Put the
1: Olympic medal up there and yeah. just like, look, this is this is the main one.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's at Mum and Dad's for safekeeping.
1: Do you actually have, a, you know, sitting at the dinner table with your husband, Matt, I mean, considering you get to travel the world with your chosen sports, I mean, it must give some interesting dinner
5: table conversations there. Yeah. Well, when we're together <laughs> it does. You know, he's been working really hard he's now a manager of a professional cycling team in Europe so um, he's been uh, very busy, more busy than he was when he was an athlete so um, yeah look we've got some great stories and um, we've experienced some incredible things, and, and it's been fantastic because we've been able to experience them together, you know, the Olympics and Commonwealth Games together, and uh, so, yeah, it's just, you know, we're very fortunate that we've been able to lead such successful lives, and, and we've met so many fantastic people, and, uh, you know, we can enjoy that, and Matt's still involved with cycling at an elite level, so he's still uh, sort of living the dream, but on the other side of the, the post.
1: Now, you, of course, when you won the gold medal in Melbourne for the Commonwealth Games, you're up there with your sister who did finish second, I mean, that must have been pretty special too. Oh,
5: look, Melbourne was fantastic, and you you know, I'm a Sydney cider and I love love New South Wales, but I have to say that, that Melbourne, they love their sport a lot more than, than Sydney siders and, and New South Wales people. I, I'll give that to them. I won't give too much credit down there to, to the Victorians, but, you know, <laughs> they did put on a fantastic Commonwealth Games. and. The crowd out there at uh, the Docklands and and then to receive my medal in the MCG. You know, I've never the first time that I went to the MCG was actually for the opening ceremony to carry (laughs) the Australian flag. So, And then the second time was when I received my gold medal. So i certainly got some fond memories of the MCG and it has nothing to do with, you know, the usual sports (laughs) that are there. I'm so um, sorry. Yeah, so, you know, Melbourne was a great games and, um, you know, I was really proud of Australia and uh, just had such a fun time and Nat was there and she race really well and mum and dad and we had lots of friends down there. It was just such a joyful occasion.
1: Do you actually feel that race walking as a sport is under promoted and do you think that more people should get involved in it?
5: Oh look I, I, we're never going to be the Blue Ribbon event and we understand that but yeah I, I think that it doesn't get uh, as much credit as it, prob- uh, it probably should and uh, I think we can do a lot more as athletes and, and myself as a former athlete to promote this sport and I just think to, to make help people understand the sport because I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about the sport and how it's judged and And, you know, race walking can be such an exciting event. And, like, some of the most exciting events have been the 50-kilometre walks that I've I've watched. And they go for four hours. And the tactics involved. And you think one guy's going to win because he's five minutes ahead at halfway. And then he blows up and and, is vomiting over the side. And the next person comes through. And some of the most exciting races have been the longer ones. So, look, I think we can can certainly work on it. But, um, you know, there's lots of sports out there. And Australia is so successful in so many sports that, you know, we're going to have to work hard to, to make it a, 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 one of the, the better sports and more promoted sports in, in this country, definitely. And
1: with the fifty-kilometer walk that you were talking about, that's ten kilometers longer than the marathon. So I suppose they kill a bit more. Sorry for the fact they've got to go ten k's longer than the marathon guys.
5: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, sometimes I think you know people don't realise how fast race walkers do walk. Like when Nathan Deeks broke the world record down in Geelong a few years ago, he went through the marathon, the, the forty-two-kilometer marathon um, down there, in under three hours. Wow! And for most people, they can't run a marathon in that time. Like, For your average jogger, to go under three hours, that's a huge barrier. And he did it race walking and then went on to do just under eight kilometres more. So we are moving very fast. and A lot of my friends that hadn't seen the event before came and, and watched me a few times, whether it was Commonwealth Games or even just at the National Championships, and they were like, wow, we didn't realise how fast you guys go. And so we do move along quite fast.
1: I haven't actually had the chance to witness it in person, but from what I've seen when i watched the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games, I've then sort of got the urge to go, oh, yeah, that looks easy.
5: Yeah. You try it, it's <laughs> not easy. No, no, it's not. Need a bit of coordination. And, uh, well, actually, the National Championships are being held in Hobart, yeah, um, next year in in February, so you could go down and have it check it out. <laughs> I think so.
1: I'll put my entry. I'll put my name down to yeah, be an entry. Well,
5: absolutely. Why not? You I know? could be
1: the next Jane Savile. Who knows? <laughs> yeah,
5: you, you won't. Don't try fifty kilometres first. Up, but <laughs> do the twenty. Yeah,
1: for sure. I'll just go. I'll start small and build it up. Build yeah, it yeah, up.
5: definitely. Yeah. <laughs> now,
1: um, what is actually your role with the IAAF?
5: Well, I'm just on the a race walking committee. So basically, um, there's about I think there's about eight or nine of us on there. For from all over the world, and um, I'm the Oceania representative. And uh, we just try and uh, promote race walking uh, and uh, give guidance to the IAAF on how we can improve race walking, the judging of race walking, um, any aspect to do with the event. Um, we, we try and give guidance to, to the IAAF, as sort of more of an expert guidance to. To, to everything to do with the event. So yeah, it's, it's been it's my second year on the, the, the committee and it's been interesting and I've learnt a lot. Um, and it's, it's a lot of hard work but it's, it's great and I really enjoy putting back into the sport and certainly learning from some of the older members of the committee and some of them are race walking judges and some of them have got different views and, and even the different nationalities have different ideas on where they see the sport going. So it's really interesting. I'm really enjoying my time on it.
1: That's great. Gives you something to do I suppose in your retirement, doesn't it? Yes,
5: yeah, certainly. It's, it's And it's been good because I I've been based in Europe um, with my husband, so I could attend a few more me- a few more meetings more easily than I would have if I'd been in Australia.
1: Now, do you ever actually say when you're walking down the street or going to the shop or that just get some milk? That do you do you ever feel awkward just walking normally, and not race walking? I'm do you walking ever sort right. of go, oh, I want to throw in some moves? No,
5: no, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I'm actually a very slow walker in the street. I'm a bit of a dawdler. But um, <laughs> I found this year when um, I was trying to keep fish and I wanted to race walk, um, I was running a little bit. And and then i try and mix it up and do a little bit of race walking. And, and walking, when I go for an actual walk-walk, not just walking down the street, but when I want to do some exercise, I'd like to go a bit faster than just normal walking. So I was trying to race walk a little bit, but I found all my old injuries kept nagging me. So uh, I've, tried to go to, I've got to try and get, get on top of those before I sort of get back into to doing a little bit more race walking. But uh, hopefully, you know, I've given them a bit of a rest now. They won't come back and haunt me when I just want to do a, a half-an-hour race walk every now and then.
1: <laughs> I, I certainly try and give, you know, the, the half-an-hour daily walk, the exercise that they sort of promoted. I think you know today when I try that, I'll, I'll try and do some of the race walking. I'll, yeah, I'll watch what your I, techniques.
5: Don't let anyone give you any stick if you're out on the road either. Just ignore them. Yeah, <laughs> screw the
1: cars. I mean, you know, they can go around me. I'll do I'll do Kath and Kell style from Kath oh and Kim. Oh my
5: goodness, I know. Oh, Kell is you know, and the outfit. If you've got the outfit to go with it, then you'll be set.
1: I'm sure my dad has something somewhere. i <laughs> sure every,
5: everybody's dad has something <laughs> like that. I'll give
1: him. I'll give him a call. Go yeah, it's not place. Back in
5: fashion now, though, so don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> now, now, obviously that you mentioned that you're pregnant, I was going to say, do you have any plans for a comeback? But I suppose that's completely no. off the table now, isn't
6: it?
5: Yeah, look, no. Um, I, the girl, actually, the Irish girl um, who I'm very good friends with, Olive O'Loughnan, she came second at the World Championships this year and she's got a three-year-old daughter and she said, see, look what you can do. And I'm thinking, no, no, no chance of that. I, I certainly <laughs> don't want to, you know, uh, get back into that at all. I, I, I don't have the time and um, I really want to devote it more to, to my family and, uh, and, yeah, just keeping well, not not necessarily super
1: fish. You can see also, like, Kim Clijsters, you know, she came back from retirement this year to win the US Open. I no. know,
5: yeah. Inspirational, Jane. I couldn't, I couldn't see myself doing that, no.
1: I'll <laughs> well, t- tell you what, in 2020 for the Hobart Olympics, we'll guarantee you a gold medal. We'll make sure no judges are near the stadium <laughs> when you're coming that way. We'll make sure all the other competitors are disqualified and we will guarantee you Olympic gold. How does that sound?
5: Well, if you can guarantee it, then I will definitely... Make- I'll only be, what... 2020, it be 45. Ah, oh, look, you don't uh, even have to I'll race war. Bring chicken, yeah. <laughs> Gee, oh, it'll be fine. I was actually looking at the, the 2020 Olympics, and I think you know. Hobart, that'd be the most southern Olympic Games ever been held, wouldn't it? Because I, it's further south than Rio. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. So look, you know, it's it's. A, I think it's a fantastic opportunity there, and you've got enough B&Bs down there to to settle up the whole Olympic family.
1: A lot of people have been talking about the fact they're saying like, you know, you couldn't build an Olympic village here. You've got don't have enough room. We're, we're very hospital people in Hobart. We could we could billet. We could like have you know the athletes. We were sort of talking about you know imagine having the same bolt in your bedroom, staying well, with you for the. I think that's
5: perfect. Get back to the roots. We don't need any of this brand new accommodation. Billeting, get back to that I think. That was in when I was an under under twelve I went to Darwin and we were billeted out in and for a couple of nights and i think you know every athlete you'll get to experience hobart like it should be experienced
1: and i think that the people we're nice enough we're you know welcoming enough and Absolutely. we can help them train we've got some great places especially for race walkers you know we've Perfect got we're f- nice and flat in many areas look
5: I, you know the, the the demographics down there i think you could hold it with you know one hand tied behind your back you'll be fine no oh, problem
1: that's the thing i mean brisbane think they've got they think they've got it in the bag for like <laughs> 2020 2024 we've got news for them it's it's Not going to happen.
5: Yeah, no, you'll steamroll them.
1: <laughs> now, um, have you ever actually tried to teach your husband the techniques of race walking?
5: Oh, it's, it's a laugh. It really is. He did a little athletics when he was younger, of course, but um, yeah, he's got a funny technique. I don't know whether it'll, yeah, there's not a lot of speed there. And being on a bike for, you know, most of his life, he's got the fitness. But yeah, I'm not sure about the technique. He looks a bit funny when he does it. I try and give him tips.
1: I'm sure you'd be better on a bike than he would say you be better walking.
5: I don't know. I, I actually he would argue with that because I'm very poor on a bike. I I lose concentration. You've got to balance, and I like looking at houses and then <laughs> I veer off. I look to the right, veer to the left, and. Yeah, it's a bit of a disaster myself on a bike. <laughs> I have an
1: actual confession to make. I actually don't even know how to ride a bike. I never oh, have my no. entire life.
5: <laughs> I'm one step ahead of you there.
1: Exactly. I suppose walking—you don't really—you learn that when you're one. It's I mean, easy, yeah. You you
5: bike riding Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone can walk. It's you know, who cares about the
1: bike? That's the thing. People ask me when I started walking. Like, I think I was about nine months or ten months. <laughs> yeah.
5: So been training a long time. It's
1: a pretty obvious question, I suppose. I mean, it's easy to ask. You know, your husband. When did you start riding a bike? But when you go to Jane,
5: when did you start I'm walking? Walking, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, would you want the real time or
1: do you want race walking time? <laughs> now, we're almost out of time now, Jane, but we will wrap things up with a set of questions we like to ask our guests. Now, we usually have five questions, but since my co host Josh is not with me today, it will have to be whittled down to four questions oh, good. if that they're is not all right. They're hard, are they? Oh, well, some people think they are, some people oh, think no, they're not. The pressure, I didn't know that you were going
5: to ask me questions like that. We, ah. we
1: don't like to tell our guests because we like to keep them on the spot, see? So the answers Excellent. are just perfect. Oh, I'm going to start you off with a really Hard one, Jane. Oh. What is your favourite type of cheese?
5: Oh, camembert.
1: Camembert. Oh, see, you gotta love camembert, don't you?
5: Yeah, I like my. Although I haven't been eating much of it since I've been pregnant. So um, once I once I've got this baby out of my tummy, then I'll be eating a lot more of it.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe you'll have sort of cravings one night for like cheese on wheat bix or some oh, weird gosh. combination. I, thank
5: goodness I haven't had any of those strange things. So yeah, it's been good
1: so far. <laughs> so far, so far. Uh, question number two, are you a folder or a scruncher? Uh,
5: I'm a folder.
1: Folder. We love the folders.
5: <laughs> Excellent. We
1: are very intelligent people, the folders.
5: Oh, yeah. Wow! Well. Yes, you've got, to, you've
1: got to put those scrunches aside. You know, they they waste it. Yes,
5: absolutely.
1: Uh, the question number. Well, this is actually question number four. Are we alone in the universe?
5: Ooh!
1: Very in depth questions we it like is. to ask here. Oh, The
5: pressure.
1: No. No. See the short answers. That's what we like. We had the premier of Tasmania on, and he just gives complete in depth answers, politician style oh, answers.
5: He's politician. So yeah. you know. we... It's, did he even answer the question, though? He
1: well, he pretty much avoided it.
5: Yeah, well, that's, that's perfect. He's done
1: his job well then. <laughs> he certainly has. He likes to do that to Tasmania sometimes too, but that's another <laughs> story. Um, and the final question I'll ask for you, Jane, is what event would you like to see at the Hobart 2020 Olympics? Now, this is just not your run-of-the-mill sport. It can be anything. We've got poop lotto, tiddlywinks, water aerobics, you name it, you can have it. What would you like to see?
5: Um, Captain Ball. Do you know what Captain Ball
1: is? I don't think I'm familiar
2: with it. Oh, well, it's a,
5: it's a game playing teams, and we played it at primary. School, and um, there's about six or eight, and you have to throw the ball, and everyone bops down. There's someone out the front. And throwing the ball, everyone's in a line, and then the person at the back catches the ball, runs to the front, and you do it all over oh, again kill yes, the person. Yes. I don't know whether you, what you guys call it.
1: I think it's called soldier ball down oh, here. Oh well,
5: captain ball, soldier ball, whatever. Similar, similar. I think that should be in for sure. I think there's been a lot of kids, school kids, primary schools out there training very hard for that.
1: They, they do. It's just, they play it all the time. It's things like dodgeball and all these other sports <laughs> that you could just.
5: That would be even better. Oh, uh, would be would it? We've Sworn down
1: oh, there. Oh yes, in like Ben Stiller, and they could yeah. just you know? Uh-huh. Oh.
5: You're on
1: fire with your events now. Oh, look, I, I will give, we'll have a list. They're on the website of just some of the things we've had. I mean, we had Vanessa Amorossi. She's doing water aerobics in the water. She's thinking it would be, like, fantastic to have all these people going to music. And when, when we had Paul O'Brien from Home and Away, he's thinking golf, but taking pot shots at the cast of Neighbours. So, I mean, you could get all the judges who have disqualified you in your entire career of race walking. Hit them with it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, do table tennis with their little red cards and, you know, fling ping pong balls at them.
5: I like you, and I... Years,
1: man fantastic well Jane well, thank you very much for your time here
0: in the brink it certainly has been a pleasure and good luck with the pregnancy and everything else that goes your way
5: thanks a lot Ben
0: seemingly we haven't been having this person on well in like two weeks I guess but um she is still alive and she's still in New Zealand and she's picking at a nose ring right now at least I can see that on the screen uh Hello, Mallory. Welcome back. Thank you
6: so much for sharing.
0: You're welcome. You know you shouldn't do things on camera when I'm going to embarrass you, probably.
6: I was itchy.
0: It doesn't look like it itchy. She looks like you're picking at it.
6: Well, I was playing with it, actually, yeah. Because the ball sometimes, like, gets yuck, so you have to pick
0: I ha- at it. I hate it when the ball gets yep. yuck. That's my that's my least favourite thing. Um, how are you? How How's it going in Strandedville?
6: Yeah, good. It's beautiful weather. She's Sorry, I'm falling asleep already. Beautiful weather in Strandedville.
0: Question. Beautiful weather in Strandedville. In beautiful Invercargill. I mean, of all the places in the world to get stranded, to get stranded in Invercargill, that's not exactly the uh, greatest place in the world to get stranded, right? I
6: guess, but at least it's nice weather.
0: But you're inside. What does it matter? <laughs>
6: I can look outside and see the blue sky and be happy.
0: Okay, that's exciting. Uh, how is life in uh, isolation in New Zealand? How how has New Zealand changed since I've been there in the way it's locked down?
6: Um, not so many cars drive by anymore. Not so many planes fly over.
0: Do any yeah. planes
6: still fly over at all? Other than that? No, there's none. Actually, one flew over... Yesterday, which was weird, but then I saw this morning an article about how it was for some rescue mission. Or
0: right, okay. So, the fact that we lived under a flight path, of course, means that you get more sleep now with no planes flying over?
6: Yes, it does.
0: Right. But you you ventured out. You went to the park yesterday. That must have been exciting.
6: The park. It was so very exciting. There were a lot of people there. I was surprised.
0: What were the people doing? I thought they were all meant to be at home, not doing anything.
6: They were all staying two metres apart from each other. Um, just lots of people like walking and biking and running with their pets or children. Huh.
0: And were there police like going and up to people, me? going, what are you doing out of your house?
6: No, nope, didn't see any. I thought I would, but there weren't any.
0: Have you seen any police at all doing any sort of checkups or anything?
6: I have seen two policemen. I saw one in the grocery store on like the first or second day. It might have been the first day. And then I saw a police car drive by yesterday.
0: Right. And that's it. And did it basically, was it going really I slowly? I haven't
6: in them talk to anyone.
0: I was, was the cop car going really slowly with a spotlight going like, get back in your house. No. No. That's not very exciting then, is no. it? Sorry. But how, uh, I mean, how are you feeling with everything? You're, you're kind of being able to leave in like two weeks, so that's something exciting at least.
6: Woo! Back to Canada I go, Hopefully.
0: Hopefully, <laughs> which you'll have to isolate I mean, I'm literally at the end of my two week isolation. I'm going to have two weeks of non-isolating, then I'm going to go back into two weeks of isolating with you, so um, exciting times, right?
6: Yes, you're still going to be isolated for less no more time than me. never mind. No, less time than me
0: how what do you mean? I think. less time than you
6: like in total. Because I'll be isolated for three and a half weeks here and then come home and be isolated for another two weeks. Yeah, but
0: you can still leave the house. You can still go to the supermarket. You can still go to the park. I can't do any of that right now.
6: That's true.
0: Until, like, today, tomorrow, whatever it is, by the time we're releasing this or anything like that. So, you know, um, exciting. Um, Yes,
6: you're going to learn lots of card games when I come home. It's going to be great.
0: I look forward to that. Um, I shaved my face last week, your decision, not mine. Um, how, how, give it, give our listeners your, your viewpoint on that. As she
6: It's growing on me.
0: Well, it's not, it's growing on me because my hair is growing on my face, but you know, Uh Uh
6: Uh I like it. You look like you're 10.
0: So you're like ten year old. Is that what you're trying to say? Yep. Okay. What what made you have the decision for me to shave this off?
6: Figured I wasn't gonna be home for a <laughs> while, so you could just go real life.
0: And what was the first thing that you said I, I to like me when you, you saw it? I feel like
6: you can blame me for this decision.
0: I feel I can. What? I feel I can blame you for this decision because I said to you like, "Oh yeah, I just had this thought," and you were like, "Do it, do it, do it. You should do it. You should do it."
6: Yes, but, like, it wasn't like I was there with a pair of scissors. Like, it wasn't really my decision.
0: Well, it just shows that I listen to you and do things because of you. And then I can I blame you. I feel like you just,
6: you can't blame me. I no. feel I can. No. But,
0: again, tell tell everyone, what was no. your reaction when you saw it for the first time? What did you say to me as soon as you saw my face? I
6: said, "Grow it back.
0: And, and now you're like, I
6: don't know. But, like, not all of it.
0: Yeah, but I want to grow all of it What's wrong with all of it? I liked all of it I I had a really nice long beard And now I'm just like Bum Fluff Boy
6: <laughs> Bum Fluff Boy
0: That's my superhero name No, I
6: think you should keep it like Trimmed and nice
0: Well, as it grows We can see it But then I think that I want to Grow it back to Beard Man length You know? Because don't shake your head You know you like it it's exciting and stuff and everything. Um, what else is happening? What what, what has been happening in the last couple? Nothing's been happening the last couple of weeks. It has just been life as normal, hasn't it?
6: No. <laughs> we stay at home and be home.
0: We stay at home and be home. Yep. That's correct. That's your observation right now. That's pretty exciting. Are you looking forward to uh, your long plane trip in a couple of weeks?
6: Um, yes and no.
0: She's yawning again. I'm
6: looking forward to coming home, but I'm I don't know if I'm looking forward to the long plane trip exactly.
0: I don't know if you even like do you like long plane trips?
6: I don't mind. I basically just sleep. That's which is all I do anyway.
0: Yes, there's nothing new there. You kind of like a cat. You just sleep and yeah. eat and poo. Eat.
6: Yep, yeah, that's me. Yep,
0: <laughs> that's that's how you you work and tick and all that sort of stuff. Um, what what exciting things can we can we do with this recording when you get here then? Because I know you're you're really looking forward to doing this, you know, properly rather than just getting away with one yes. segment at the time.
6: <sighs> so excited! We can do lots of exciting things.
0: Like what? Don't
6: ask me what
0: Invent a a new segment Go on
6: You're the brains in this this expedition
0: Does it mean you're the looks? Mm
6: -hmm. Yes
0: Right, okay Just come up with a new segment right now Think of something on the spot, go
6: But we already have a quiz segment
0: Do we? We haven't done it in a while You need to find some quizzes for us to do then
6: Quiz segment
0: (laughs) Featuring what type of wood am I looking at? I don't actually know what this table is. Is it mahogany? Or I, I, I don't know woods, timber.
6: I don't know. Possibly. It's not mahogany.
0: It's not. How do you know it's not mahogany?
6: Because I know.
0: Because you know. What? It, tell me. How would you define it, this as a mahogany table?
6: It would be more red.
0: Well, it's kind of red. Sort but of. But it's not red. It's redder than the walls that's my go-to answer i don't know um all right any so nothing else exciting you want to add at all no okay well thank you for joining us sorry
6: my life is pretty boring
0: uh thank you for joining us and we will we will talk to you very soon sounds good time to close up shop and bring you another episode to a closed that made sense in my head Uh, our first show for April of course as I said at the beginning happy April to everyone and uh, hopefully things are going to be getting better uh, you know in the coming weeks but uh, we'll have Mallory hopefully on a little bit more we'll see if we can get her to talk a little bit more next time we'll see how that plays out but in the meantime if you like our show like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter subscribe and all the relevant podcast channels and we appreciate your support and we hope that you are all having fun out there in isolation and keeping up with some content because you know content is great And that's entertaining. So, anyway. Uh, My name is Ben. It still is and it will be tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Keep sucking those oranges, Hobart. And good night.